All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our Puget Systems podcast live Q&A show. Uh, this week, we're joined by... T- <clears throat> excuse me. We're joined once again uh, by Ben Nelson, our tech support manager. And uh, today, we're going to go over a few recent articles that we've published, uh, maybe a few common issues we're seeing with, uh, with our systems lately. Uh, I imagine... I know one of our articles touches on a uh, Windows update, which are always a lot of fun. So I'm sure that one will will come up. Uh, But uh, yeah, all around, uh, just kind of getting, giving everybody a little peek behind uh, our support team and, um, you know, how we help out our customers and maybe help you as the audience as well. So uh, welcome. Thank you, Ben. How's it going? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's it's, uh, going good. Excited to do kind of round two together. Yeah. Uh, The first session was kind of a lot and kind of just a peek into our department and introduction about myself and stuff. So I'm excited to go a little bit further behind the curtain, show a lot of the resources that we use and maybe break them down a little bit and, and help some people. So. Yeah. Right on. Um, is there anywhere in particular you'd like to start? Um, yeah, it might be kind of fun to do a little, um, like time machine view of our articles, maybe start yeah. at some kind of common ones. Um, just have some conversations with you about them and see if anything stick out that you can remember or if you've ever helped a family member with an issue like this or, or anything sure. particular from yourself. I think that would be kind of fun. So. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Okay. Cool. Well, let me go ahead. It might be easiest to share my screen here. Uh-huh. Cool. All right. Well, bef- before we get into even the first article, um, I'll give you a pop quiz question, Houston. Do you know the support article that gets the most traffic from us? And it's by far the most. Like, like all articles aren't even close. Uh, I would have to guess it is the Windows sleep issues. Windows 10 sleep issues. Yeah, pretty close or like or like one of them. But um, this is by far the article that generates a lot of traffic. We probably have some good kind of backlinks and stuff that have built up over time because this is uh, now about what, five years old now Uh, from 2016. But this article is great. It's a pretty common one that we um, see quite often. It's a good kind of first step if you're experiencing some some odd like blue screen behavior that's related to any kind of sleep function. Mm. Um, but this goes through and how to disable uh, sleep and or hibernation explains each kind of in depth. Um, and we get a lot of people that kind of thank us for this tool. Um, even though it's you now five years old, like these settings are still applicable. Uh, yeah. UI has changed a little bit, but this this article is a, is a gem for us and, and will be <laughs> uh, for time to come. Yeah, no doubt. That that does actually seem to be a really common uh, issue that I see um, just on social media and things like that, that um, devices like kind of wig out either from sleep, you know, coming back from sleep, my external hard drive doesn't work anymore or weird little issues like that. Yeah, it seems to be a lot of like USB powered devices are like the most common culprits. So things like USB hubs, external drives that you're talking about, um, even... uh, kind of like headset connections and that type of stuff. If it, if it is powered directly from like the USB bus, uh, those can get caught up um, sometimes in the hibernation and sleep mode. So it's, it, it doesn't take too long to just disable it and test without it and see if it helps. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of continue recommending this over time because it's a yeah. good, just kind of a 
stuff to try. Now I have I have a pop quiz for you then, Mr. Ben. <laughs> what what is our most commented on YouTube support video? And and really it's our most commented on YouTube video, but it is a support related video. Mm. Do you know the the topic? Um that's a good question. Um uh, I no, I don't. Is well, give me a hint. Is it one that's within the last two years? No. Okay, it's older one. Um, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't even have a good guess. I'd say like removing a, a drive from an SG10 or something like that. But. Nah, I love it this one too because it, it is a perennial kind of issue. It is how to initialize and format a new hard drive in Windows 10. Ah, okay, that would make sense. Infinitely helpful. People love it, <clears throat> and it's great. Yeah, one one thing to bring up before we get too deep into like more articles and everything is um, all of this like following in line with just the company the philosophy of transparency is all of our YouTube resources, all of our articles are completely like public, and you don't need to be a Puget Systems owner to to look at any of these resources or even use them. Um, mm -hmm. They're written; they some of them can be written more geared towards our customers um, with a lot of the scope of the articles, but they're still applicable even if you don't have a Puget System. So, mm -hmm. um, and our YouTube, yeah, our YouTube channel, we need to to break back into that and, and continue pushing resources too. It's it's a little difficult to collaborate. Um, I guess on on like filming videos and stuff with with COVID the last kind of two years, but we you know we can't use that as an excuse. We need to jump back in and get more videos up. Those those are great. Yeah, I mean you yourself have a few really helpful ones. Um, <clears throat> it's like swapping graphics card or power supply in some of our mid towers, door swapping things and such, which are very helpful as well. They're, uh, I always feel a little goofy on them, but they, they are helpful. They do break it down. The the quality, the, edi the editor that we kind of use with those does a great job all the time. So, yeah, we, we we need to get more of those out, especially with the launch of our custom cases. Those will be really helpful. Oh, that's right. That For, was uh, a little quiet thing. We hadn't because just as we were like about to say, hey, this is a thing now. Yeah. You know, shipping and all that stuff. It's definitely been postponed and logistics are still being worked out, but um, I still feel like that's a goal that we're going to continue to push for. Um, and if we can control and get resources prepared when we launch the cases, that'll only help our clients, you know, if they do have to reseat something immediately when they get the system or, you know, other kind of troubleshooting in the field. So. We did, uh, rather than type out an answer to our, our first question from Facebook, Arthur Hicken is asking, is this an open session where I can ask anything or is there a specific theme topic presentation? And um, I, I want to leave it open. You can ask anything, but I would like to set the expectation that this isn't um, like a free tech support sort of thing. We won't really go down real deep diving into like a diagnostic sort of thing. There's only so much we can really do uh, on those sorts of topics given the format um though if you are having a serious issue with your puget system do get in contact with support uh yep. as soon as possible my team's ready to to go too so they're all you know manning the phones and the the email channels right now so yeah um Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. feel free to, if it, if it is an issue, hopefully we have an article for it too, that I can even connect with and segue into, but That'd be great. Um, regardless, we can still, you know, do some surface level, you know, recommendations and stuff. So, yeah. Where would you like to go now? Now that we've kind of done a peek into the, 
past yeah, article yeah let's uh let's keep going let's sure. uh, go with article number two if we if we can yeah uh cool this is a great article um mm. this one's written uh pretty lighthearted, uh and it's like as simple kind of as the title is is linux linux right for me you know we get a lot of um questions even in consulting and and even once they've kind of purchased the a system and and have issues with it as well but like did i make the right choice going with linux or should i explore and turn this system into a linux box instead of a, a windows machine um and so this article is great it explains a little bit more about what is linux what do you need to know before jumping into linux and how to prepare for it um and it's great it offers uh you know just a just a quick insight it's a very short read um but essentially i guess the good summary for it is just if you have time to kind of to learn linux um and are okay kind of getting help from forums or if you have like a a, a technical friend that's a master of linux or has a good foundation <laughs> of linux uh, it's a great option because you can uncover um so much you know using different linux distributions so um you just have to have a little bit of patience and there is a bit of a learning curve to get started if you're coming from uh like windows or mac and haven't used linux in the past so yeah yeah and i know from a personal standpoint linux has gotten a lot more user friendly over the years than Definitely. my first my first touch with linux was like red hat two i think <laughs> and uh now with like ubuntu and a lot of the really nice um graphical interfaces makes things a lot better a lot easier yeah you most of the time with the uh, kind of main functionality you either have the command line option or a gui to, to work with so um you can kind of just use your preference and you know you'll find people that uh prefer one or the other but as long as both the options are there for you, it's it's perfect. And there's also tools like things like Wine, um, if you ever heard mm. of that, and other just applications too to, to help emulate and get you comfortable um, with a previous environment that you've used in the past. So yeah. So Arthur Hicken did uh, clarify a little bit more of the question he had. He says, um, he says, okay, sounds good. I do have a Puget system and I have this oddball ongoing USB unstable warning that I can never track down. Nice. Okay. Well, well, not nice on the issue, but I'm glad that you brought it up. I would say, um, mm -hmm. first off, I totally recommend, uh, reaching out to our support team to just to get a ticket going so we can make sure to get it figured out. Or, um, and if you've reached out to us in the past too, we should have a history of all the communication, but, um, yeah, what I'd, what I'd kind of start with is seeing if we can tie it to any specific devices that are plugged into the system, like externally. Um, if it is calling out like USB unstableness, it could be like a power delivery issue. It could just be um, connections or pens that aren't fully seated or connected. So um, there's a couple thoughts that come to mind, but the first thing would be kind of like isolating it either to a specific device or specific ports uh, on the machine and then kind of troubleshooting back from there. So, especially if you have any extension cables. Yep, extension cables can definitely cause those. So. Yeah, hub, hubs too. Another comment from uh, Twitch got hubs. Hubs bad. <laughs> but if it is, uh, I mean, if it is, you know, you're using minimal peripherals, just like keyboard, mouse, and that's happening um, directly in, then it could be a problem with those ports directly. So, uh, good to kind of move move to different ports. You know, if they're in USB 2.0, try 3.0, for example. So. Yeah. yeah, thank you for the question, Arthur. Yeah. Right on. So is Linux right for you, Ben? Uh, um, 
It's something that I enjoy exploring. Uh, admittingly, I never spend enough time in it. Like I'll always install either through like VirtualBox or something. I'll get a, a Linux environment loaded up, use it for like a week, and then just go back to my comfortable environment of Windows. Um, I do need to probably just like completely wipe Windows on my system and just be forced with Linux. And I would be happy using it. Um, it's something that I personally would like to dedicate more time to learning. Our, our entire team has kind of a foundation understanding and we have a couple members that are uh, pretty well versed, like their home machines and stuff for Linux based and are, are pretty comfortable, but it's always something that I'd like to improve on, but I seem to kind of scoot it back every uh, every couple months. Yeah, so. yeah. I have no interest in myself. Uh, no? <laughs> you know, oh, well. I've, I've, I've been operating on Windows for like, practically decades now and and i've had so, such minimal issues <clears throat> so but yeah even even though you have uh, a close connection to the master of dawn for oh all, yeah all <laughs> yeah. yeah nah <laughs> cool well uh yeah i mean yeah. is linux right for you check out that article you know, feel free. You can always, there's a nice thing with, with um, like most distros, but uh, Ubuntu sticks out specifically. Is there like a, there's a try before you buy type function. So you can load the ISO on like a USB, plug that into your system, um, not even use any resources or install it on your system yet. You can just see what the environment is and then determine, hmm. you know, like, do I want to give this, do I want to fully jump in the pond or do I just want to keep my toe dipped in the water? You can actually, you know, get a, get a taste of that before going all the way. So. Oh, that's cool. And is there, is there a process for that in the, in that article? Um, I believe we have a different <laughs> one. Um, the document, what, one thing that's great for like Linux in general um well, I guess I can't speak for every distro, but Ubuntu is great for documentation as far as like step-by-step -step, like processes. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they have a, you know, great resources. And of course, if you have a Puget system and are interested in this, like let us know and we'll, we'll get you started with, with uh, those resources. But yeah, great step-by-step -step with pictures, documentation and everything. Cool. Cool. Right on. What's up next? Cool. Well, next is a, uh, a fun one, I guess, during the time where we've Ooh. now moved uh, quite a ways where most of at least the people reaching out to to us um, that had that that were on Windows 7, uh, we're seeing less and less of those. So we're not getting as much requests <laughs> for transitioning to Windows 10, which is good because um, Windows 7 security support did um, expire uh, last year. So oh, nice. if, yeah, this is a great guide. Like even if you're currently on windows seven right now and you're like, Oh, like most, most likely you're aware that it's expired, but this kind of goes into like what you can do, what are your options, how to check to see if you have, uh, like windows 10 compatibility, if your hardware can support it. Um, it's a good guide that just gives you some resources and even like a checklist of how to move all the way to windows 10 as well. So nice. If you could imagine, this was probably, I mean, this was a hot topic for us, um, yeah. you know, last year and even the year prior as a lot of clients were ready to make the jump. Uh, it's tough. Some people, you know, like to keep their environment as as stable and as consistent as they can over the years. And so uh, making a jump, even if it's from like Windows to 7 or from 7 to 10 is a big deal for them. So, sure. Um, yeah. And there is still 
services too. If you like have to have Windows 7, there are third-party companies that you can pay to get security updates for. Oh. Um, so there is some options and we do have a couple of people that reach out occasionally that still are on Windows 7, but they're paying for the third-party security support. Interesting. Uh, but that that's pretty uh, specific. Most of the time that's for like companies Sure. Um, so it, it's kind of similar to, I know a lot of, um, like ATMs for banks are typically on very old operating systems, Yeah, yeah. like, like windows Vista and stuff. And it's, right. so it, it is kind of a specialty thing, uh, where it's, you know, catered support to them. So sure. I know, I know a few guys who, uh, they've run these old HP laptops, um, that still have run XP and they have to, because like their diagnostic software, it just stopped at XP. And, oh, no. and yeah. so they that's like they've built like their whole service and system around this one piece of software and it's it's all they can use. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest considerations, you know, right after you determine if your hardware is compatible with Windows 10 is, hey, what's all the software am I using? Am I going to be able to use that in Windows 10? Um, am I going to be able to like emulate those softwares? Like, what do I do? Is there compatibility mode for it? That's a that's a big hang up for people. Um, so, but it is, you know, our recommendation, like if you do have hardware support, um, is to move to windows 10. Uh, if you're currently on windows seven is, is kind of our baseline. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know, I know there's, there's concern sometimes about like, Oh, all the stuff that windows is collecting from you and whatnot, as far as, mm-hmm. you know, all of it. There's, I mean, even just at the install of windows 10, there's all those little check boxes of like, do you want to send this to them and this and that? And like, um, but I still think it, it helps. There's like a balance to be maintained of some of that and the, the security of the system. Yeah. Very true. Well, it's like privacy versus security almost. Yeah. Um, a lot of people just don't really love the layout of windows 10 or they were turned off by windows eight when that launched Ooh. and how it was mm-hmm. really tile based and a lot of the UI and decision-making there. So there are a lot of people that were very hesitant moving to windows 10, um, but I will, I will say it's Windows 10 is much more like Windows 7 than Windows 8 was, at least. Oh, yeah. So, um, but, yeah, it's it definitely is a transition, nonetheless. So. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Cool. Well, all right. In yeah. our article time machine, um, this, is, this is a great one. Um, this is one I would love to touch on. Oh, sure. Backups. Like the, this is important. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is really like just some backup components that you can have on hand to reduce Mm -hmm. downtime. And this is so critical for um, a lot of people's business that rely on a system like have that can have zero downtime. So, um, you know, ideally if you can have, you know, a separate system that's like reserved that you can move everything over to quickly in case there was a, a major like failure issue that that's the ideal scenario. But a a lot of the times it doesn't work, you know, for people like either if it's a price thing or just a, their office space, whatever the case is. So having just different components that they can keep on hand is, is very helpful. Um, oh, sure. So starting with some of kind of like the, the basic peripherals, but just having an extra mouse and keyboard, um, you never know, like sometimes the, the, you know, USB connection can kind of go bad. The, if it's a wireless and it's a dongle that can go bad. Um, you know, maybe there's some kind of interference going. So having like a wired keyboard and mouse handy is very, very nice. Uh, some other sy- some older systems um, need wired peripherals or like wired keyboard and mouse to get into the BIOS when they're booting mm-hmm. up instead of wireless. Sometimes it'll miss that key. So uh, yeah, having a spare mouse and keyboard is huge is kind of one of the, the big ones. 
um, having a spare like network device as well. So uh, the nice thing is there's tons of these like USB NICs that you can just plug in and get a separate um, like like Wi-Fi extension. So you don't have to have you you don't have to necessarily use the onboard Wi-Fi in case that chip's bad or the antenna's damaged or something like that. You can also just pick up a cheap fifteen twenty dollar like USB connection that that gives you you know gets you back up if it's a networking like physical issue with your computer. So these are great again yeah, like 15, very handy. 15 bucks, you know, for another, and you can, these are plug and play most of the time. So you can just, you know, put, put this into your laptop, um, you know, other devices that you have around your workspace. They're, they're just great. Um, extra video cables. It's, it's, uh, video cables do, do fail and it's, you know, kind of a random occurrence. It'll happen, you know, having a spare HDMI display port cable, um, DVI, whatever kind of cables that, that you use, just having a, a backup available. Um, plus if you do end up like adding a monitor, um, or TV or, or some other kind of display device, having that cable handy, ready to go to just, just helps you out anyway. So, yeah. Um, and then occasionally too, with uh, especially if you're using like um, uh, liquid cooling or AIO, um, having a backup cooling system if you can't have any any downtime. Um, we're seeing a lot of the failure rates on the AIOs. You know, anywhere from like four to five years uh, seems to be the common failure time. So yeah, that's what I would expect. Yeah. Yeah, and that's about like what they're rated for is like three to five for the most part. So we're, you know, we're seeing about four to five years. So if your system's getting uh, to that age and you don't have a backup cooling option, it's a good idea just to pick up, you know, uh, air cooling is has come a long way. So that's that's typically what we'd recommend. Um, just get a new heat sink fan, you know, set aside. So if it does happen to go out in your system, you know, your pump failed, your AIO cooler failed, um, you know, we can help you swap the air cooling in and make sure that you're you're back up and running pretty quickly so yeah um extra drives it's always you know hard drives do fail um <laughs> the failures the failure rate at least especially of solid state drives um even of the product line that we carry is very low but oh, yeah. there's still computer parts you know there's still electronic pieces like it is possible so uh, having backups for drives um you know cash drives anything like that that you could like quickly like hot swap or put in um is great video cards sometimes this isn't super realistic for people but um if you can pick up a, a cheap one those gt 1030s there's like different kind of models like that um if your computer doesn't have onboard video uh, meaning coming from like the CPU and, um, and and the motherboard, if it if it doesn't have onboard video to move over to, if there was a video card failure, uh, just having a cheap video card lying or lying around can be helpful. You can swap that in and at least get display, back up your files, do anything that you need to uh, in the meantime. So and most of the time you can get uh, now video cards are a little harder to come by, so I, I can't promise how inexpensive <laughs> or expensive they are. But normally these, you know, you can get for you know, hundred bucks or less a lot of the times, sometimes, you know, upwards of two hundred. But um yeah, an inexpensive video card on hand can can save you. Uh memory can be a good one too. Um just to, to have on hand. Uh, most of our systems come with uh, multiple DIMMs, so if one did fail, uh, we can help pinpoint it, and most of the time you can still be operational at least on one DIMM, and we can you know help get that other DIMM replaced. Uh, but if you are using a system that's just like a single channel, only one DIMM, anything like that, it's good to have a, a spare one on hand. Most of the time it'll be in use if you have it on hand instead of, you know. <laughs> But um, still, just just having backup memory is always a good idea. Yeah. And then power cables. These also <laughs> can go bad. It's a good idea to just keep a spare one. Yeah. Um, lying especially, around. Especially especially if you have pets. Uh, 
That's cats. Right. Cats in particular tend to be cable chewers. It's uh, <laughs> annoying. Oh man, one of my favorite support tickets. I I think it was last year, or the year before. Is we had uh, we had a guy reach out. I think twice and had like a rabbit chew up his his cable. But the second oh. email that he sent in, like the second time, was pretty funny. Where he was just like, "Hey guys, it happened again. My nasty rabbit found the power cable." Um. So yeah, always hey. always interesting. Lucky the poor thing didn't get zapped, man. Yeah, you, very true. you can short out through the the insulation straight to the thing, man. And my sister had a guinea pig. For, oh. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was a phone line though, so it's a little little different. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, uh, so I'm gonna pop this one up. I'm not sure how um, the advice you might be able to uh, to give here, but um, RJ uh, from YouTube, he's, he says, I'm stuck. The prices of parts are skyrocketing. Is it a good idea to wait or should I just get what I want? Uh, and if I'm going to wait, how long? Oh, that's a good question, RJ. Um, I've had a couple of my like personal friends, you know, reach out to me and it's the same thing. I've been telling them to wait, unfortunately, since probably October of last year. I'm like, hey, things are skyrocketing. Um it's like like hold off for a little bit let's get you a you know i can build you a computer for much cheaper let's let's wait for these parts to come down a little bit and it's you know they they just aren't um and from what i understand there i don't think there'll be a significant impact for those prices will decrease anytime soon from at least the knowledge that i have um don't don't completely hold me to that because I don't I don't do a whole lot of purchasing or anything like that for our team. Right. Um, I just have access access to a lot of the same channels, you know, on Reddit and, and looking around on Newegg and everything. So um, yeah. my recommendation would actually be to go ahead if you find the parts that you want um, and the price is appropriate and not super inflated. I'd yeah. go ahead and, and get those get those parts together um, and build it up. I I I've been telling my friends too long to wait and I'm about to do the same thing. It's just like hey let's let's do it. It's gonna be you know couple hundred dollars more or something <laughs> upwards of you know even 500 600 more for the complete build than it yeah. was say a year and a half ago for that generation of hardware but it's it's, it's kind of in the the market that we're at right now and i would i would i would tag onto that and say that there are um fairly reasonable pre-built options out there yes. through various system integrators like ourselves where um because a, a bigger company is able to absorb um, cause honestly, you guys just like the scalping prices and stuff are not really that far off from what I've heard from distributors, even like the further, even way up all the way up the chain, everybody is charging a premium for parts. It's not, it's not just the guy next door on Craigslist or Best Buy. Like yeah. it's, it's all the way, all the way to the top. And, um, but because like a company like us or Dell or Origin or whoever, um, we t- tend to buy more at, at once and um, we're just we, we can absorb some of that cost a little better. And so if that is an option, um, it's something worth looking into. You can sometimes get pretty good deals, 1200 bucks with a for a PC that's got a 3070 in it, you know, that kind of a thing. Occasionally, just keep an eye out plus availability like you were saying they have the the channels to get like a lot of parts at once where if you're buying just a single part it can be a lot tougher to come by so getting a pre-built option um is typically a good idea right now and then um rj i'm gonna address your other questions right here too um i won't pop them up because um those are gonna be questions a bit more for matt 
uh, Matt Bach. He's our sort of Adobe content creation sort of expert. Um, he had some questions about um, read write speeds of media and if using a SATA drive for um, for uh, cache OS and, and project files, things like that. So um, tune in. I don't have the exact date of when Matt is coming back, but keep an eye on our social media stuff. And um, that'd be a great question for him. I know I've been pushing on him to update his, um, there's a drive configuration, like an, uh, the best best way to set up your drives for Premiere Pro article. And I've been trying to get him to kind of update that because it still references like Western Digital Reds and stuff. Yeah. So uh, I think we just got an inquiry that tagged on that too. So Matt, if you're listening or watching, yeah, we'd, we'd love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, time to ask the question what you really need in terms of specs. Yeah, as far as parts and upgrading and stuff, yeah, definitely look inward and, and say, do I really need this? And kind of go from there. And as long as you get yourself a foundation that can be upgraded. So if you settle with like a lower video card, you know, 1660 Ti or something like that, instead of going with a 30 series card, um, as long as you give yourself, you know, you, you buy a... a at least a 850 watt power supply or, or enough juice to like be able to upgrade that video card in the future too. Um, then you're not just stabbing yourself in the foot and have a, a, a path to build upon in the future too. So you don't have to get the latest and greatest right now too. Right. <laughs> so. All right. What's next? Uh, cool. We let's do, man, we're already 30 minutes. This is, this is flying by. Um, <laughs> let's do yeah let's let's go ahead and do this this one is kind of um it's it i don't know it's not, oh, I guess it's interesting not basic, but it is an important one this is one of the most common issues i think i talked about this uh on our last stream that we did together yeah. um but like where to plug in uh in your monitor what cables to use um one of the most common kind of questions that we get on new systems is uh, clients plugging into the motherboard video in which uh, on some configurations that's disabled or doesn't it's not even supported. Um, and so always use your video card if you can, unless you have a specific build where it's necessary or it's a server and you need uh, remote access to it or something you know, along those lines. But always use the dedicated video card for your uh, mon monitor connections if you can. Um, but yeah, this article is great. It breaks down the different um, different versions of DisplayPort and HDMI can get kind of confusing on what's supported, how many Hertz. Um, another common question that we get, and as you know, 8K TVs are starting to become pretty popular and, and clients are hooking those up to uh, their Puget desktops and not getting like the, uh, the refresh rate or even the resolution that they need. The first thing, and it's been the most common one, is just cabling. Make sure yeah. you have the right version of the, you know, whatever cable that you're, you're hooking up to, so. And it's not always easy to tell by looking at the cable. Oh, no. Yeah, the, it, it is not at all. Um, the best place if it does come with, you know, I know no one wants to read the directions or the, the documents that come with cables, but that's typically <laughs> is the easiest place to find it if you're not sure when you bought mm -hmm. it. So, and also same thing too with just on the topic of hooking up like 8K TVs since those, those, those tickets are always interesting is a lot of the times there's different ports on there. Like there's, you know, two HDMI ports, two display ports or something like that. And they're, they're rated for different um, refresh rates or, or um, resolutions on there too. So also oh, make sure, oh. uh, check the TV documentation to check like which port you want to use to achieve the desired resolution refresh rate. So, yeah. 
Oh, that's that's good to know. I didn't. I wouldn't have thought that uh, the different plugs on the on the monitor or screen itself would be for different purposes. I figured they'd all be the same. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting. My guess is, you know, to prioritize what type of functionality on the TV and ensure there's opportunity costs. So they're trying to leverage, hey, we can only do one of these ports or something, but we still want to provide, you know, an additional connection. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, always always check. I, I know nobody likes to read through the manuals, but those manuals are helpful when it comes to, to ports and connections. So cool. Um, well, let's let's keep going. As sure. if, you're, if you're not bored, I'm not. So no, let's go. We'll, yeah. uh, keep going. Okay. Um, oh, next, this is a good one. Yeah, this this was awesome. Um, speaking of Matt, this this uh, application, I'm pretty sure he created this, uh, but this is a nice utility that just backs up um, your Adobe preferences. Um, so this is really helpful for like diagnostics. If you think that you have like a preference problem, but you're not totally sure, well, hey, use this quick utility. It takes like, you know, less than 30 seconds or whatever, most of the time to back up your preferences. Um, <laughs> then you can delete them and like try with fresh preferences and it's a great troubleshooting step. So we have this article built into to some of our other kind of recommended system troubleshooting articles that we have because uh, mm -hmm. this utility is awesome it's you know you can use it and uh very very quickly it doesn't take a long time so i like that yeah this one's a, this one's i like it i like these little these kind of well it's not i guess it's third party because we make it but these little tools and stuff that we've created are just really fun and, and got no fun, but like, it's cool that we've made these to help out and just offered them out there, you know, for anybody. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, most like, like content creation creators, their time is very valuable. So if we can save them, you know, a couple minutes and not have to manually do all the backups um, or use a different tool that takes longer, like here's this one, it's super user-friendly, really easy to use. Um, and yeah, that's yeah. great tool. I couldn't imagine trying to do this i mean i guess it it kind of shows you the the path but and i wouldn't even know where to begin to find where these preferences are hiding to do it manually so yeah thanks for doing all the hard work for you yep it's <laughs> utility is awesome yeah all right well on to our next one it's a bluetooth article yay oh geez have you ever had bluetooth issues houston yeah Good, because so has uh, most of the world. Um, no, I mean, Bluetooth's a great, you know, um, a great kind of wireless connection service as a whole. Um, pretty similar to Wi-Fi. Uh, in fact, it uses the same antennas on a lot of our systems that we have. Mm -hmm. um, the antenna will both send Bluetooth and, and Wi-Fi signals. So this is just a guide on, like, kind of step-by-step what you can do to, um, to troubleshoot. And honestly, my favorite recommendation on this entire article is this one here, Clearing Power. You'd be surprised how many times this uh, fixes Bluetooth issues. Um, and this just, a lot of the times we're finding where there's, like, a, a charge you know, that's staying on the Bluetooth chip on the, on the motherboard. Um, and the only way to completely reset that and to get Bluetooth functionality working properly is to completely clear the power. So like power your system all the way down, unplug the power cable, tap your power button a couple times to, to remove all residual power. Um, and you'd be surprised how many times, you know, if you're having like, like random dropouts over Bluetooth, um, it's, this is always my like number one start and you'd be surprised <laughs> how many times this, this fixes it. So it's, it's never ceases to surprise me or kind of amaze me. Like we're, we're in the future, 
right? Like, <laughs> this is amazing technology that, you know, supercomputer in your pocket. We're able to, you know, create fake scenes that look photorealistic. And yet, most of the time, have you turned it off and back on again, solves so many problems. It still Just, works. It's, it, and I think, I think as things get more and more complex and more tiny and all these different moving parts and stuff, whether they're really solid state or moving is besides the point, but all of these, all these different systems, all these different things, all trying to work together. I feel like that's going to be more and more common. You know, you know sometimes you just got to start fresh. Boop. Yeah. I mean, all it takes is, you know, one thing to not communicate properly, uh, you know, and just to kind of screw everything up. So sometimes, yeah, doing a, complete like a restart or starting from scratch you know completely clearing power and stuff is the, the best way to go so yeah don't keep keep that mindset once in a while if you're you know like banging your head over why you can't figure out your bluetooth issues like start with clearing power first um and then you can move on to uh you know running the bluetooth troubleshooter checking out some settings um mm. changing your drivers um so yeah proximity is a big one too bluetooth is pretty short range especially compared mm-hmm. to, to something like wi-fi like the 2.4 and and 5 gigahertz band so um it's you know also understand that you you can't go all the way across the complete other end of your house if you have a, you know a mansion and are trying to still you know connect your bluetooth pointer device or something so you got about 30 feet i think is the yeah. spec <laughs> Um, Bluetooth troubleshooter. It's, I know a lot of people hate like the windows troubleshooters, but this one can be helpful. Um, it can also just help give more information. Like if you're working with tech support or something, sometimes mm. you'll get errors or, uh, specific codes that are helpful. Yeah. Um, I know the troubleshooter, especially like a lot of like windows troubleshooting services have like the, <laughs> the rep where it's like, Oh, that's the, that didn't help at all. That was a waste of time. Right. Um, and occasionally it still will, but this the Bluetooth troubleshooter has been helpful for us. So yeah hopefully it's good to hear. you know this article kind of helps people out with uh with bluetooth issues in general there will still always be present but um you know i mean there's a lot of a lot of times where you won't have any issues and you've been using a bluetooth mouse for the last you know two years and not had a single disconnect besides when your batteries ran out or something like that right. so, props <laughs> to you so yeah right on Cool. Okay, cruising through. This is a big one. Is oh. we get asked all the time, what like antivirus do you guys recommend? Um, what would you recommend using? Um, do I need another antivirus protection on my new computer? Um, that's a very common question that we get, sure. and it and it kind of always always will be. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be very cautious, you know, secure with their their use. Um, but our our general recommendation is to use like the Windows Security Center, like Windows Defender, um, that's built into Windows 10. Um, we found that uh, just the protections, it's you know, built in directly to you know Windows, so it's uh, it's more compatible with updates and you know features that come out with Windows. They're at least testing for this. Some like third-party <laughs> software. Uh, it's really easy to break things. Um, we also don't recommend um, you know having multiple virus protections together right. or antivirus because they can often fight each other. Um, that being said, if like you know if anyone's listening to this or you currently have like multi antivirus protections like running and you're not having any issues, then don't worry about it. 
um, you're probably just fine. But it is one thing to consider, like if you do run into kind of some some weird sluggishness all of a sudden and your like CPU load is spiking and then you look at your task manager and you're saying, oh, wow, the, you know, Windows Defender and uh, Malwarebytes or whatever are fighting each other, um, then it might be a good idea to, to, to disable one and, and use the other. Um, and that's true, too, if you don't use Windows Defender and you just use Norton or something else like that um, and you're not having any issues and things are going just fine, then, you know, you don't need to change it too. Um, keep rolling with it. It's yeah. it's just our general recommendations. You, you don't tip, you don't typically need to pay for antivirus, um, you know, since like since Windows 10 released as a whole and Windows 7 had the, their own security center, Microsoft Security Essentials, I want to say is what it was called. Something it's been like a while. Um, and that was great. They did have one breach early on, but since like correcting that, they were just good to go since then. And a lot of defenders built on uh, security essentials or like uh, similar UI and similar algorithms and everything. So, yeah, I would, you know, our general recommendation is to use, um, you know, the built in Windows Defender as a whole. I'd like to tag on to that too and just recommend uh, first level of defense is just good internet practices. Yes. You know? Um, don't don't click on weird stuff that your great aunt sent you from Facebook and um, <clears throat> you know most websites I think actually like most everywhere is HTTPS now um, you know your your browser will warn you if something looks a little hokey like trust that you know or at least at least with a healthy dose of skepticism if you think oh no I know what I'm doing you know um, that's honestly to me that that's kept me virus free since windows xp just don't be weird <laughs> you know the, um websites in general are like sketchy websites aren't the, really the problem it's links that you're clicking on that are going to be the problem if you typed it in yourself you're probably okay that sort of a thing <clears throat> and also don't don't pay for those um, those compromised messages that come up that say your PC is compromised. Oh. You need to pay me, you know, either two million Bitcoin or two thousand dollars now, or I won't release your your computer. Yeah. Um, first off, don't don't pay that. Um, if you do have a PG, um computer, we'd recommend um, completely wiping and doing a factory restore. We we don't do a whole lot of like antivirus. Um, you know, work with a lot of our clients. That's not our specialty. Our specialty is like hardware troubleshooting as a whole. Uh, but we can help restore your computer to like yeah. factory state too. So um, just like like Houston was saying, just use your best judgment. Don't don't click on sketchy links. Um, safe internet browsing habits will will get you a long way. So yeah, the great Windows Defender. Hey, I think again, like I haven't had it scream at me about anything weird, but. <laughs> It seems to be doing the job. Yeah, if you again practice safe, safe like networking browser habits, um, you're, you you will you will be just fine. You should have some kind of protection running on in the background um, because you never know. But um, yeah, just just be smart about it. Uh, and it'll get get you a long way. Oh. Okay, cool. Well, next on the list is one of my personal favorites. We have a couple articles similar to this one. Um, oh, yeah. But this is our, our like After Effects like general troubleshooting guide. Uh, um, 
<clears throat> like I was just saying, the, the main scope of our support is hardware based. So we um, help verify like GPU functionality, temperatures, make sure everything in the system is is solid as far as hardware is concerned. Um, but we do also have a foundation knowledge in our recommended systems that we're, you know, selling and sending to. And so we do have some troubleshooting that we can run through you or through with you. Um, and this is kind of a list of what we typically do for After Effects, depending on what kind of issue that you are having. Um, but yeah, running through quickly is checking to see if there's a known issue already confirmed about it. You know, check the known issue page or the forums. Chances are, if you're having a weird bug or quirk, somebody else is having that same weird bug or quirk. So if there's a workaround already posted for it or information on it, like you don't have to do all the work and dig through and try to figure it out. Um, somebody else already has. So a great place to start is just to check the the already like known issue page and forums. Uh, testing with a different version of After Effects. This can be a you know, uh, we're, we're just running into an issue right now with Photoshop specifically um, where we're having issues with GPU compatibility. Um, and the, the, the solution or workaround right now is to roll back a version. And so this is a this is a, a pretty key one for, you know, all the Adobe um, Creative Cloud apps as a whole. Just test with a different version. You can install multiple versions alongside each other, too. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's it's pretty easy to go back and forth between them, too. So. Um, updating and disabling plugins, you know, sometimes yeah. third-party plugins can, you know, be the culprit. So, um, just try disabling first, see if you're getting that same crash or same issue. Um, and then kind of like, like working backwards in, in a way, it leads you kind of to the recreating in a new composition. So kind of create a new, um, uh, new timeline in a project and just try to build it back up and see like where the issue or where the crash is happening. Where's like the, you know, the problem in the UI, whatever the case is, uh, see if you can cre create that in a different, uh, composition and kind of like work from the ground up to see if something specific triggers it. Uh, resetting the preferences, we saw the the CC preference utility earlier that you can easily back up and clear preference is using that utility, uh, which is linked to right here. Again, save yourself some time using use the utility. It only takes you know thirty seconds or so. Um, purging memory and disk disk cache, um, especially if you have any like temporary files that are you know Ooh, sure. being a pain. This is a great great idea and just um troubleshooting method overall is just to, to to reset those make sure it's like working on 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 fresh disk cache so um if you're still unsure like hey is this like a is this a hardware issue is it just my project anything like that the benchmarks that we have uh for recommended systems are awesome um mm. and this is what support uses a lot too because sometimes we're not sure like hey is this a hardware issue um are you getting the performance that you should be uh, sure. or is this you know or is this a software bug some kind of you know quirk we need to roll back versions or something like that um running our benchmark and then we is, is a great tool because then we can compare tool or compare scores to like hardware um yeah. to be able to verify like oh no you're getting the performance that you should it looks like it's some kind of workflow or project problem so uh, testing apart from your uh, disabling uh, GPU acceleration, so uh, only using like CPU for processing just to see if that changes um, any symptoms is a great kind of troubleshooting step as a whole too. Mm -hmm. And then updating <laughs> video card drivers. So these are kind of the, the list of what we'd go through. Um, 
to, to hopefully find out what's going on and see if we can pinpoint, you know, is it a workflow, is it a, uh, an Adobe like specific app issue or a bug that needs to be reported? Um, or if there is a hardware issue, like maybe, you know, we, we do have a GPU failure or something that we need to get replaced. So it's a, a great guide for that. Yeah, I'd like to jump in. And uh, Timo TT from YouTube, he asks, uh, what program do you recommend to check the condition of your hard drive? Yeah, great. So um, a lot of the times I like to recommend whatever kind of the brand is of your hard drive. So mm -hmm. um, Western Digital, for example, they have like Western Digital, like uh, health diagnostic, I want to say it's called. Um, Samsung has Samsung Magician. Um, I do like to go straight through the manufacturer for the, the health diagnostic or whatever drive it is because they all have their own like kind of diagnostic software. Um, as far as like comparing speeds, another test that you can do that that um, doesn't matter whatever kind of brand you have is running a program called Crystal Disk Mark. Uh, mm -hmm. And that'll give you, that'll show you read and write speeds. And you can see if, you know, you you, you do have just a super slow drive um, or if you have something something wrong, you can compare that to what you'd expect on, on similar drives too, so. I think, do they have a, like a public database sort of a thing that you can, you can be like, oh, my drive isn't performing quite like the rest should i'm about to i'm kind of doing a quick little google Good question. i don't know for the off the top of my head if they do um I, we have i always use internal scores that we have obviously we've tested you know like thousands and hundreds of thousands of drives here so i can i can compare to those scores to see if they're like we also have like part pages so if we do happen to have the same part that you're testing we have the rated speeds and everything there too yeah. so you can go directly through the manufacturer and see what the rated speeds are th that you're supposed to get yeah um last utility was something kind of similar to crystal disk mark but it's called crystal disk info mm -hmm. um and that'll help give a lot of like health diagnostics of your drive um as well so I'd always use, always recommend doing whatever the manufacturer of your drive. If they have a specific software for health diagnostics, use that. Uh, um, <clears throat> and excuse me, couple that with like Crystal Disk Mark most of the time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, on. Uh, let's see. I'll try to try to skim through these articles pretty quickly. Um, Sorry. But um, next one is audio latency and just general sound issues. This is a this is a pretty cool article. Um, it's it's probably not too surprising, but if you think of somebody who's like a, a professional editor or whatever the case is, they have to have very precise audio cues as they're you know editing oh, sure. their video, whatever the case is. And so any kind of latency where they're not synced up and it's you know giving them difficulty you know finishing their project or working on their project, it's a major pain point. Um, so this article is great. It goes over using a tool called LatencyMon that can help mm -hmm. kind of pinpoint um, if you do have like a conflicting driver or something that's that's getting you the you know interfering or giving you more latency than you should expect to have, and then you can kind of like uninstall that driver. Uh, we've used that a lot in the past. Um, also, performing a Windows 10 clean boot is great. Um, that just gets you into a, a pretty minimal environment where it's only one running like uh, essential Windows 10 services um, and, and applications. And so that's a that's a great utility too in case some other kind of third party application service process anything like that uh, is causing a latency. So. Yeah, great, great article, especially for, you know, again, professionals um, that do a lot of audio uh, or video production, anything where they need precise audio, um, yeah. using latency model be your best friend. 
yay, this article's awesome. Have you ever read this one, uh, Houston? Should I upgrade my Puget Systems desktop? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this this one's great. This this is a tough choice. Um, and to be honest, there's not a direct, like, yes, no answer. Um, for most of you, you know, that, that are listening or watching anything, again, you know about our company. We don't want to sell you crap that you don't need at the end of the day. We don't want to tell you you need to upgrade your your computer and not not get any performance gain or anything out of that. That's not that's never been our goal, never will be. Um, but this article is great. It helps you uh, kind of determine if it would be worthwhile upgrading your system. So like running benchmarks, comparing, you know, scores if if you were to upgrade your video card to something newer, what kind of score would you get? Um, mm-hmm. comparing those results. So it's a good um, good practice for that. Um, the, the biggest thing is like whatever is going to benefit your workflow at the end of the day too. So like would a new video card like benefit your workflow or is it, you know, does, can you just brag about it to your friends? Like, Oh, you don't have a 30 series <laughs> video card yet. Um, so yeah. And then finding, I guess, if you do have a bottleneck in your workflow, so um, let's say the the CPU is your bottleneck, you're doing just direct like CPU rendering, but you're like, Hey, I kind of want to upgrade my, my video card. Well, that wouldn't do you a whole lot of good if, if your bottleneck's in your CPU. So right. uh, a big thing is determining what is the, you know, the bottleneck in your system. And then can you upgrade that bottleneck or is there a different workflow that you can use to utilize the video card, for example? Um, so finding, you know, what the bot- bottleneck is in your workflow. And I think, I think even, I know this article is particularly focused on a Puget system, but I feel like a lot of the advice in this is good in a general sense as well. Cause we had, a, we had some questions about like, Oh, you know, should I buy parts now or wait or whatever? And this can kind of help give you a little bit of information on how to make uh, an informed decision on whether or not you should or need to, or, or, and what to upgrade if, if you are going to try and buy a, a particular part. Yeah. So you are, you know, if, if you're doing any of the workflows on like your home systems, um, check out our recommended systems and what the, the hardware that we'd recommend on them, see our scores that we're getting, run that benchmark, compare your score to that benchmark and be like, oh, wow, I could, you know, improve by this many points. And then, you know, use that points to, to really determine is, you know, is an extra hour in your day. How much how much would that benefit you? Does that way, you know, the extra whatever it's going to cost either upgrade your system or buy a new system, you know, yeah. weigh that against the time save. Uh, a lot of the times it's a good way to do it. Um, yeah. Some of the things that are, I guess, more specific to Puget, but not necessarily is like the, the cascading effect, but just like the core components of our mm. systems. Um, those can be tough to come by. Um, specifically motherboards are, are the pain point. We, we can only get, you know, that same kind of platform or that, that, or a motherboard equivalent for, for so long, only like most of the time, like up to three years after, you know, launching a platform. So um, it's tough because if you do have a motherboard failure or you want to upgrade, you know, your motherboard after two years, a lot of the times you might not be able to find something compatible too. So it's something to to keep in mind at the end of the day. Um, And actually I think we're, we're right on the cusp of a, of a major hardware change right i think uh later this year boards coming out uh with ddr5 support yeah a lot of exciting stuff and Mm -hmm. a lot of people are going to be weighing that same decision because that's a a months that's a that's what what we refer to as a platform upgrade right you're 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 not going to be able to use a lot of your older parts if you do make that jump you're going to need new ram board probably processor so 
the, yeah. and that's a huge because like right now you could probably wiggle within a generation or two but that that's going to be a major change and, yeah the memory one specifically because uh ddr4 has been around for quite a while so most of the time with the the, the new platforms and stuff you're able to reuse that ram Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, but now, now that it's moving to DDR5, um, you, you won't be able to, you'll be encouraged to, to move also to DDR5 RAM. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, definitely something to consider. Um, but yeah, this article is great. It just goes through, you know, can you replace the computer yourself? Oh, that's, that's younger Ben <laughs> uh, earlier in his days, but you know, do you feel comfortable you know, replacing those components yourself if you're going to get a new system or if you want to watch one of my cheesy videos on how to, you know, replace your hard drive in an old chassis. Um, but this is also a pretty cool thing that Chad put together was um, uh, just to, to keep in the back of your mind, if you are pre- planning to perform an upgrade, um, you can think of like a weighted scale. And if you're upgrading more than 60% of the system, then it's probably more beneficial to get a new system instead of repurposing your old build too. So, and then he kind of broke things down um so yeah pretty good article just on upgrading in general yeah uh, i know we don't have a whole lot of time left so if you want to do we want to wrap up with something else um sort of. there's a here's an interesting opinion question I, I'm, I'm wondering your thoughts on this timo uh on youtube was asking what do you think about hard drives with a warranty of only two years and that's a new one to me i hadn't i haven't encountered that sort of thing um so I suppose it's a little bit more of off the cuff. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I guess my opinion comes from what experience I've had with that specific manufacturer in the past. Um, so it's when things change, I guess, to a, a two-year warranty, that, that does kind of rub you the, the wrong way because most of the time it's been three years plus and even yeah. more likely in the lines of like five years for a lot of drive warranties. So, um, yeah, I you know i i can't speak too far into it but i would just um you know go with what what your uh i guess experience has been with that manufacturer and their warranty process in the past a lot of you know manufacturers will still make exceptions too Mm -hmm. so uh, you might be able to get some wiggle room there um, or go to a different manufacturer that you can find a better uh better warranty with and then just have that peace of mind knowing that if it does fail okay you sure i paid 40 more dollars but i can get a direct replacement right away so mm-hmm. cool yeah i would i'd say it, it kind of is a it's the cost benefit analysis right like how much are you using that drive mechanical versus ssd um your read writes that sort of thing like how much load are you really putting on the thing how mission critical the drive is going to be um there's so two years you probably it's honestly it's probably going to live longer than that but uh yeah also the cost of storage isn't too crazy um especially compared to other uh computer components but <laughs> worst comes to worst you buy another let's say it's a you know one terabyte m.2 nvmes like drive um it's you can still pick another one up for a couple hundred dollars at the most so i mean weigh that cost into what you're expecting for the long-term goals of that drive as well so what's next oh are you still want to keep going we'll do one more let me see um do 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 okay this is a this is a good one to 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 end on i guess oh, yeah, it's great. 
to back up or not to back up um Always. spoiler chad gives you the solution directly in the title <laughs> um but yeah i mean this is this comes in a lot it's it a lot of the times you're like oh i should have backed up and you're like retroactively looking and, and wishing that you would have set up a backup in the past um, we have quite a bit of of articles on like backup solution softwares that you can use. Um, this is more of just like a, a general, you know, what to back up, um, examples of like critical data that you wouldn't be able to re recover, uh, you know, personal photos, videos, um, any like active projects that you're working on that you don't have in multiple places. Um, yeah, make sure that you have those backed up. Uh, if you, you've learned one thing in this hour or make sure to, to have your your critical information backed up in at least a couple of places. Um, our recommendation for super critical data is to have it uh, located in three different areas, one on your system, um, one either backed up to like a NAS or external um, storage solution, like still in your house that you can, you know, connect, disconnect, and then somewhere elsewhere, like at a data center or something, if it's very mission critical or project-based. So yeah, it's a very quick also, run through. I don't know if it's mentioned in this particular article, but and I feel like it is. But I, I also like the idea of keeping um, your libraries, uh, your library file folders on a secondary drive uh, off off of the OS drive, so that if you do have to reinstall Windows, you don't have to worry about like your pictures folder, your documents folder, your downloads folder, all those extra stuff. You, for me, at least, blows my. I have so much stuff just hiding in the downloads folder that. I still work with like regularly and I'm sure that's bad practice, but if, <laughs> if, if my main drive goes kaput, I'm, I'm going to be hosed pretty bad. So <laughs> I, I don't know where I remember seeing that, that advice, but I thought that was uh, pretty clever and, and helpful. Um, good advice. Yeah. At least just creating an exact replica and copying it over to a different drive too. And, um, you know, a lot of backup applications will like look to see the differences between two different folders and then add the whatever's changed. Um, so like incremental backups for the most right. part, so that's always very helpful. So yeah. Awesome. That brings us a little bit over our hour. Perfect. Cool. Awesome. So yeah, that uh, that does bring us over our a little over our hour, and uh, so we're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna say goodbye. Uh, thanks, Ben, for joining us today, taking the time out of your Friday afternoon to uh, give us a little rundown on some of our latest um, support articles and taking some questions from the audience and stuff. And uh, so, thank you very much for that. Yeah, thank you for having me, and thank you for everyone that tuned in. Hopefully, you know the the rambling wasn't too bad, and you you had some fun or learned a couple things or whatnot. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I will also tag under that. Yes, of course. Thank you to the audience as well for joining us today. Um, how how much can be coil wine? I'm not sure the question there. Like how bad is coil wine? Is, well, we'll have to address that another time. I'm sorry, T Timo, because uh, we do have to wrap it up. Thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you, the audience, and our guests as well. We do this every Friday uh, at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. We uh, have quite the variety of content coming out on these live streams now. Uh, we have various uh, members from internal the company, um, our labs team, support consultants, as well as uh, external experts, folks that we, uh, either clients that we've worked with that are experts in their field, or um, well, just in general, external experts that uh, to give you guys a peek behind the curtain of how they do their work and how we help them to accomplish that. So uh, Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all next time. Bye. Cool.